So on this podcast, I get the chance to chat with Preston Caffrey. He's the president of Ocean Equity Solutions. Listen to this. This guy is a loan ninja. He's closed over 30 loans all by himself in one month with no processor. That's crazy. We talked about everything from how he gets his business to the current state of the economy. If you're ready to learn something new and crush it in the mortgage industry, keep listening. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fund Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million dollar opportunities. Welcome to the podcast. This is the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience. I'm John Maddox, CEO of Fund Loans, and I'm here with Preston Caffrey, CEO of Ocean Equity Solutions. Ocean Equity Solutions. That's such a rad name, dude. Um, Dude, so we're talking about all kinds of things. We're talking about niches. We're talking about rates. We're talking about sales. We're talking about what do you do when rates go up. Um, a lot of our listeners like to um, learn how – well, they like to do jumbo loans. They like to learn about uh, jumbo lending, how to find big jumbo loans, things like that. Obviously, you do a lot of jumbo loans, and that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, we talked a little bit back on the um, Mortgage Minute about how to get jumbo loans. Yes. And with one, one of your secrets. That, yeah. A little high-end mailer, wedding invitation. I mean, it's a great tool. But then I think the other thing is when you get the jumbo mortgage, what do you do with it? What a lot of people want jumbo mortgages and then they get them. Be careful for what you wish that's for. Right. It's complicated. <laughs> They're not as easy as you think. But... It's with all these new guidelines and all the new programs and investors pumping money into it. I mean, non-QM stuff is... It changes by the day. Every day. Guidelines are shifting, uh, loosening, expanding. Yeah. We shouldn't say they're in the dangerous territory yet, but um, we just we were about to fund a loan and it was like there was a condition that, that literally sat there for a week and they were like, how do we get this condition? We called up the hedge fund and they're like, oh, we don't need that anymore. <laughs> like, gosh, thanks. We'll fund it tomorrow then. <laughs> So uh, this stuff is, is expanding and changing daily, which is exciting because uh, we were so tight for so long. Like yeah. it literally was insanely difficult to get a mortgage, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this breathing room. When I was off uh, in Nashville, not doing mortgages, you were doing mortgages and um, it was kind of, there was a boom time, right? It was like 20, 2012, 2011, 20, yeah. right? You were yeah. doing, you were doing a lot. Crazy, yeah. What was, you said in was it what year was it that you did? Oh well, sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. End of twenty sixteen. You huge. were just doing refis, crazy. Well, ninety five percent of my business was refinance. Nice, and which was incredible. And I'll take it all day long. But I knew that at a certain point that was going to dry up because yeah. refinances are almost strictly one hundred percent geared on rate. Right. So people are looking at rates. They see the marketing, and then they say, "Hey, can I get a lower rate?" Now with rates going up. People are only refinancing cash out home improvements, right. paying off maybe uh, an original loan that they got with mortgage insurance, something like that. Um, but the focus, I think, needs to be on purchase money right now. However, there are a lot of people who bought homes, you know, one year out of bankruptcy, took a high interest rate loan. So even now with rates being high, it still makes sense for them to do a refi 
Right. They've got the right lender to do it with. So let's back up because when, you know, our, our listeners here need to know, I know you don't like to brag, but I, I'd like to have them hear <laughs> a little bit about you and, and the fact that, you know, this is, this is worthy of listening to. So your biggest month, you personally alone, not with a team, not with like a big, the Preston Caffrey team, just you, you know, and you work from home, which is again, awesome because, uh, unless the kids are going crazy, but, um, you alone did what thirty six loans in one single month. Yeah, that's incredible. So, um, you know, tell us real quick how that felt. It must have been like closing three. Or was it four day? What's the math on that? It, it was a lot, <laughs> um, and a lot of it. You know, obviously, it's like things. Some loans take three months to get done, and some take fifteen days. You know, right. so it all came to this culmination, and it was it was working a lot, but it was just me. So I'm processing my own loans. You know, I'm doing, I'm sending disclosures. I'm doing everything from start to finish on it. And you but you weren't kind of, marketing, right? Or was not at all. No, no. This is so. These all are all like refer uh, referrals or uh, repeat business, probably, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I would say probably 50-50 re- repeat business and referrals from other business that we've done in the past. So you've been in the business since t- what two thousand one? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you, you've been through a cycle, you've been through the crash, you've had your ups and downs, you had a 36 loan month, and then you've probably had months where you've zeroed. I've done many zero months, <laughs> many. And, and that, some of those are by choice, because I know you travel a lot, you go yeah. like to what, Italy and Napa, and, and you're a wine connoisseur, which uh, we're drinking a little wine now, which uh, that's the only way I could get you here. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, man. Um, so... Tell our listeners, I mean, I, I know we've talked on the Mortgage Minute about how you had the, the niche with um, the wedding invitations. That was a great, right. great idea. Um, you know, getting people to, to feel like they're invited to get a lower rate, which was which was a cool thing. Um, what other uh, like, like little things that you, do you do? I mean, besides obviously just do a good job, because if you have to do a good job to get referrals or repeat business, um, what is there anything else that you've done um, on your slower months? I, I know like when you have like a zero month, you probably are thinking about ways to get business. It's not like absolutely this business just goes out of your mind when no, you're no, no. when you're off traveling. No, in fact, usually when I'm busy is when I start anticipating that I'm going to be slow. Yeah, and so that's when you know things kick into gear because when you're busy, mm-hmm. you lose sight. I mean, you get sidetracked for all your stuff because you just want to make your money that you're making right then. Right. But as you close out your pipeline, you know it's it's coming down. So before you get to zero, you got to start doing stuff. And I mean, there's a million things you can do, but one thing that you just said, doing a good job for your clients. It's key. Is key. And, And not only that, but I can't encourage people enough to learn the guidelines of the programs that you want to use. But that because takes work, though. That, why would you want to do that? That's like, you actually have to read. My processor should do that for me. No, it's, it is the most essential thing you can do because if you know the program that you're submitting your client's loan through, right. and you know the real guidelines, not the matrix, you know, not the bullet points, but the actual guidelines, you spend time reading them, just like you would you know, reading a book before you go to bed, read the guidelines. If you know the guidelines, then you can structure the loan in such a way that when it gets to the bank that you're submitting it to, when it gets to underwriting... Hopefully fund loans, people. That's only <laughs> bank that you send to. Um, the underwriter realizes that you've already done their job for them. Right. Your loans go through so much smoother, so much better, and that makes it a better process for your client. 
So your client sees that you're doing your work ahead of time. Obviously, you've got to do more work up front. You've got to collect more documents, which seems like a hassle, but it's way better to do it at the front, front loading the deal Mm -hmm. than it is through the process because then you know, you're hitting them up every other week for a different item and it just, it's like pulling teeth versus if you let them know everything you need up front, then there's no surprises for them. And right. if you've done your job well, then the underwriter loves you, deal gets closed quickly, and your client wants to tell everybody they know about you because that's key. if you compare it to other people's experiences, which I'm sure you've met a lot of clients through the years, when they have poor lending experiences, mm-hmm. they, they obviously are never gonna refer another deal to you. Never. So, I mean, it, can't, it couldn't have always been this way for you. You've had to, I'm sure, have learned through some failures and some, you know, Bumps Never along the way. Failed ever. <laughs> you were a perfect robotic loan officer day in, day out, yeah. um, day one. So, oh gosh, too but, many. Yeah, too so many tell times. us about like any kind of um, little things you've learned along the way that, that kind of caused you to start doing this. Because, you, you know, most, most people try to do this least, I wouldn't say try, most people end up, human nature is to do the least possible amount of work yeah. to get the best result or the most that they can. Just human nature, I'd say, for, for 90% of people. Um, but like for you, how, what kind of triggered that desire to do all that work up front? And, yeah. you know, I, I would say I was in the same as every loan officer that's ever been in the business where you would try to submit as little as possible yeah. to to be considered a, a receivable package for underwriting. Mm-hmm. And then you'd let the underwriter do the job to find out all the stuff that they need and you'd get your you know conditional loan approval and it would have 50 things on it. Yeah, because you just did as little as possible. Yeah. But then that's nice because then you don't have to think and you're like, oh, this is the stuff I gotta get and then you go get it. So I, I mean, I, I was that way and because it was easy. Yeah. And you didn't have to do as much work, but as you continue to do business that way, uh, first of all, the bank that you send your loan to doesn't love you. Uh, the underwriter doesn't, the, the intake department, because you're doing the bare minimum. And it, there's so much more room for error. Yeah. And because of that, I've lost deals where mm-hmm. I didn't package it correctly up front because right. I just wanted to find out what I needed. Mm-hmm. And then things were found out that you know maybe didn't need to be or I just did a poor job. You start digging more, right? Yeah, when you don't when you don't explain the story to the underwriter, then they've got to make one up on their own. They assume the worst. Always, yeah. Which I would I would too if I were them. Especially if you get like a loan application and credit report, and they're like, "Well, give me my approval." Yeah. So I mean, that's so from that, I I started meeting with underwriters regularly because I just said, "How can I make your job more easy?" So that right there is is actually a um, huge thing that a lot of people probably overlook is is how do I how do I go meet with an underwriter? I mean, you know, you think of an underwriter, you think someone behind some big closed doors that are like you know guarded, fenced, you know, yeah. you don't ever get to. But but you can get an f- underwriter on the phone if you really want to. You Absolutely. try, you ask, you know, you can get a meeting with an underwriter. Yeah. They're actually strangely um, humans. Yeah, human beings that you can meet with. Still human. They're still using humans. <laughs> They're not IBM Watson just yet. <laughs> <laughs> so you can meet with them. And you can talk to them about deals before you ever submit the deal. Right. You can just wrap through it. You know, hey, what do I need here? What would I do here? Yeah. I'm thinking about you know this deal, and then you just you get you get information that you would have never gotten had you not sat down with that person. But you also make a relationship so that when that under, underwriter is going through your loan, they know you, another human, and they go, look, I'm sure this is what they meant to send me on this, or 
you know, normally I would condition for this, but instead I'm just going to fire a quick email. Hey, can you get this in while I'm underwriting it? Because if I have it now, I can send your loan clear to close right away. Right. Otherwise, I'm going to have to send you a conditional loan approval. Then it's 24, 48 hours, review the conditions, all this stuff. So it's just one more thing that you can do to do your job better, which makes everybody else's job easier. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I mean, your clients are happier, you're happier, the people you work with are happier, and you get paid faster. That's important. You want to get the whole point of this is to get paid, right? Get paid. So in essence, by doing the work up front, you're actually giving yourself less work in the mm. long in the long run. A hundred percent. Yeah. Know? And that's that's I think what the, the message is here is that like I think you you are uh, at the end of the day, you, <laughs> I know you personally, so I know you don't love to work. I mean, <laughs> it's clear <laughs> you, you, you like, you work and you work hard, but it's not like, I, I think all of us would, would prefer to not have to work cra- crazy, crazy hours, even though we're Absolutely. willing to do it. Right. Yeah. But by learning that if you do this work up front, you have less work to do at the end, yeah. you're actually, you know, doing yourself a favor and you're doing everyone else a favor by it's a total oxymoron. It's a win-win. If you work more, win-win. you work less. But it, it really <laughs> yeah. is true. And it's, I mean, it's true. I love my job and I love doing the work that I do, but I hate doing more than I need to. Right. Especially if I created that extra work for myself out of laziness. Yeah. So it's like, just do your job right and then you only have to do it once. That's right. I love it. It's good stuff. Um, let's move on to talk a little bit about... Um, you know, rates going up, a lot of mortgage companies going out of business, there's yeah. a lot of consolidation, there's a lot of margin margin compression, there's you know, there's crazy stuff Compass happening. Is buying everybody. The sky is falling, yeah. like literally people think out there that um, you know, I've seen articles that, you know, mortgage applications tumbling and you know, housing prices, you know, Tumbling or whatever that you know these crazy words. That, yeah, I like tumbling. Yeah, it's like it, I mean I just saw that uh, today in some some other thing, but um, it truly is hilarious. Like because because you know articles to get your attention, they have to say something it's, extreme, yeah. and maybe it's gone down by a point oh two percent or something, and that's tumbling. Yeah, right. Because tumbling can be up and, and sideways or down. You know, it's, there's yeah. all kinds of ways you can tumble. You gotta you gotta fear. Set fear in people that I wouldn't read your article anyway. That's exactly. Yeah. But but in reality, um, house prices have not tumbled. Um, you know, maybe there's been a few, a few less home sales, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you know, I'm still seeing houses close. You see, you see lots of you know. I get emails probably like most of everybody here that, that say, oh, closing this this yeah. deal closed. Check out these deals we just closed. But what are your thoughts on right now with the economy where it's at? I mean, cr- economy's crushing it down 26 i mean it's right. you know it's insane like this is everything else in the economy is saying things are on fire and it's bull right but like what are your what are your thoughts on the economy right now yeah i mean the the real estate economy um I, is still clearly great i mean they're not they're not putting a cease to building new homes anywhere right, right. And there's such a shortage of homes versus home buyers yeah so the demand is 100 percent still there um, obviously guidelines have loosened in a lot of ways. Now, mortgage loans, uh, like Fannie Freddie, you know, government backed, all this stuff, those, the interest rates have gone up. So I think right. that's where those numbers are coming from, where people are freaking out and it's kind of like know, initial shock, initial shock. Yeah. And, and the numbers are down because you, you take away a giant 
area of, of refi market, right? I mean, if, if yeah. someone locked in at a three and a quarter, 30 year fix a couple of years ago, <laughs> of course, they're never going to refinance again. They're just Why laughing you? at those calls they get. Like, yeah. Oh, what's your rate? Oh, it's 4.99 or five. You know, ha 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 ha. There's no way. Call me when it's two. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like those mortgage applications have dropped, but the reality is, is people are buying homes, people yep. are selling homes and it's happening like crazy. People want to refinance out of mortgage insurance or they want to Maybe they got to get a new roof. I mean, rather than go and borrow money from Hero, who's going to mark up your roof double and then you're paying, you know, insane amount of money to them every month through your taxes, you just pull cash out. Even if it increases your rate, right. it's still a better deal long term. So, I mean, there's a million things that, that are still spurring on the industry. Now, with the economy the way it is, I mean, we, we've been through this a few times. I mean, you see mm-hmm. ups and downs and... My advice to to loan officers out there would be to keep working hard, make great relationships with your banks, learn their guidelines, because an opportunity in the near future is going to come where there is going to be a lot more mortgage applications, a lot more. Sure. Uh, there's just going to be a lot of business for everybody. So you also have this shift with the times, right? You have absolutely. To like, yeah. You know, now, now maybe, you know, all the people who refied to get the 3% rates are gone, but who else is out there? There's 75 million millennials out there. Right. right? And they say, I think the average buyer's age is 34 right now. I think that's a millennial, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> should be, should be. Um, and, and the average score credit score is under just under 700. So it's like in between six sixteen six seven and 700. So, I mean, these buyers are going to need different products. Yeah. They're going to need, and a lot of them, uh, the new buyers or the millennial buyers, they say don't have a ton of down payment, but they might get a gift from the parents or they might get a relative. Um, but I, I think it just takes getting used to new products. And to your point, learn the guidelines and know what products are available so that you can offer this group of people, yeah. you know, these these products. So that, so even though the rates have gone up, have you seen a slow in your business or is it is it just you shifted? No, no, it's just shifting yeah i mean there's there's still opportunity everywhere right and people need to borrow money right if you can buy a house outright go for it but the reality is is no one really can right and so not not millennial 34 year olds that are you know looking to buy unless they're the they just sold their company to snapchat or something which i think transitions into a good conversation of underwriting guidelines and kind of this this non-qm stuff for new first-time home buyers even I mean, if, if some of these people are, are making money because they have a YouTube channel, I mean, yeah. how, how do you document that? Or, or they, uh, you know, they're they're going to Airbnb the home that they're buying. They're going to live in it, but they're going to also Airbnb it, which is smart. Which is smart. They're and seeing their parents do that and go travel the world, and they're like, right. well, why can't I do that? You and know? and there are banks. I mean, you guys have. Yeah. specific investors that will loan money to people doing that kind of stuff which we do that there's going to be more and more of that I mean right. the, if there's not already it's, it's because coming. I think millennials and just people in general um, some people say well like I like the, the ability to rent so I can be mobile and I can move and I'm not tied down to anything mm-hmm. well you know with a VRBO mentality you can just buy a house and then VRBO it and then go buy another house yeah. and VRBO it and do, do that you know rinse and repeat do that over and over again yeah. so I think that's that's a huge market you mentioned YouTube I was this whole weekend I was obsessed with thinking why are the, the people who are online the influencers the, the YouTube people that are making a lot of money mm-hmm. like there's 
videos on YouTube that tell you how much money these people are making. Yeah. And they're making a lot of money. <laughs> making great money. I'm like, really? This kid that's in, like reviewing toys is making millions of dollars? Like, really? Like, wow. So that kid obviously can't buy a house today, but, you know, maybe you can buy one for his parents. Right. You know, or, um, you know, we hear of these, these all these kids on YouTube that are buying like McLarens and they're buying like, you know, Ferraris, yeah. but they still live at home in their parents' basement playing video games, you know, and they're, they're on this Twitch or whatever. Right. Making House. so much money. Who's, you know, who's giving them the loan? Like who's marketing? I think it really comes down to awareness. I think a lot of the people today who are eligible to buy just don't know totally. that these products exist. Yeah. Well, and for them, like you're saying, that it, it takes away their freedom if they own a home. Right. Because they're under the assumption that if they're going to buy a home, it has to be like how their grandparents did with a 30-year fix and it's got to sure. be you know, the home they're going to live in for the rest of their life and that's not what they're ready for. Right. But if you say, look, the, you buy can buy a home. It. Yeah. You can rent it. You can you know live in it part-time, whatever you want to do and our guidelines support all this. Yeah. It's a whole new world. And it comes down to the loan officer actually learning some financial, um, you know, uh, like be a practitioner, like know yes. what those loans, like know what financial, good to financial decisions can do for your future. Like if, yeah. you, if you can show a millennial that, hey, if you buy this house today and you had this kind of appreciation and you paid this much money and this is how much money you're throwing away at rent, you know, here's what your your net worth would be in right. three or four, five, seven years. Then that millennial can see clearly like this is a no brainer decision to make. Like I just need to totally. do it. Yeah. I, if you don't have a a CPA that you can ask questions to, financial planner that you can ask questions to. Right. Um, and if you don't know how to read tax returns, mm -hmm. all those things, like, go do that right now. Yeah. Go find somebody, put it together. Because but I got to watch House of Cards. <laughs> <laughs> also watch that. But, but you have time. Yes. You know, you just, there's reasons why we all choose to, we all need rest and downtime. I yeah. Think. But there are, there's definitely the time when you can listen to a podcast or you can go on YouTube and learn how to do something. Yeah. And yeah. it's a difference between, is this your job or is it your profession? Right. If it's just your job, then you know what? Submit the bare Forget bones, it. get the 34 conditions, make your, you know, do what you can do while you're, you know, trying to figure out how to be a, you know, professional ukulele player or whatever it is you want to do. But if it's your profession, yeah, then take it serious, work hard, learn the stuff, definitely get a CPA, have a financial planner on your team, put together people who know stuff in other areas so that when you have these new clients that you're trying to educate on why they should buy a home versus rent, yeah. you've got the tools that you can access mm -hmm. because you can't tell somebody how to file their taxes and what they can write off. You shouldn't tell somebody that, but their right. CPA can, Yeah, you know, and, and you, you can try to insinuate good ideas for how they should plan for their future financially, but a financial planner, that's what they do. Sure. Right. And again, I mean, these are actually business certified. Like I, I've seen mortgage professionals have C something. There's yeah. like a le letter acronym. It's CF. I don't want to say CFPB. It's not it. <laughs> but it's like certified financial planner, CFP. We'll, we'll figure out what it is and then we can cut it back in, right? Exactly. But there is a, there's like a thing where you can learn how to be a financial professional yeah, and a mortgage, right? Yeah. And a mortgage person. So, um, but I agree. Like I think there are ways that you can help and add value back to these people. Yeah. And, and then you're more than just their mortgage guy. And that's the thing, guy. right? Is, is you want your client to to come to you as their source for information, all things financial. Yeah. Not just 
can, you know, you get me a loan? Sure. I mean, I, I get crazy, que- I literally get the craziest <laughs> questions every day from clients who I haven't done a loan for, for seven years that, you know, I got them a 3% 30 year fixed uh, and whatever. Should I buy this yacht or should I buy this um, timeshare? You're like, no, yeah, don't do it. The cr- I mean, crazy. I mean, even odder things than that, but it's just because when they think of finances, they think of you, they think of me, which yeah. is what you want. Right. And what's great is then when they think of finances and they're talking to a friend of theirs who, you know, maybe isn't looking to buy a house, but has a question on, on their taxes or something like that. They're like, oh, you got to call my guy Preston. It's totally unrelated, totally. but I can connect them with the right people if I don't know the answer myself. But that's how, that's how you create a community of people who, who trust you as a source. I mean, when people are thirsty, they go to the well. You gotta, yeah. gotta have the information, which is again, why you need to be a professional versus yeah, a job versus job. career. Yeah. Um, do you think it's it's a, it's a good idea to have a little circle of friends? Maybe you go to happy hour with that, like you know, maybe put together a little peer group where you're like, okay, I have a friend that's a CPA, I got a friend that's a financial planner, I've got a friend who's an insurance guy, I've got a realtor, put, yeah, yeah, realtor, and you just create a little. We meet once a month or once a week, and and then we can pass. I could not encourage that more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I did that at one point in my career, but, you know, if I ever needed loans and I think, you know, we could all say, uh, you know, unless your pipeline is massively full that we all need more ideas and we need more loans. And that's yeah. why we're listening and talking about this, that like, that's a, something that you can easily do tomorrow. Yes. You can even go on Craigslist and put, you know, like that little ad that says, hey, do you want to join a group? You know, we're someone's going to respond to it. You know, there's always mm-hmm. ways to do it. And I think also having the mindset of, you know, no excuses and just, right. the, you know, people always want to throw out an excuse like, oh, I just don't have friends or oh, I just don't have the I'm not a, I'm not an extrovert. You know, there's always excuses, yeah. but I think people um, just need to figure it out, you know, and just. Just if they want it, like you said, you know, make it a career versus a job, you know, you can do it. You right. Know you can. And, and the difference between going to somebody because you want something versus going to somebody because you have something for them. You know, if you want to start networking with a CPA, right? Yeah. Don't just go to a CPA and say, hey, do you have any clients? Do you have any clients for me? <laughs> They're instantly going to put up a shield. <laughs> but the better thing is to say, look, I'm working with this client right now. Yep. You know, they've been filing their taxes on their own and we've got these questions. Can you help them out? I'd love to connect you guys. Mm-hmm. That's just a great first step. Obviously, vet the CPA and make sure that they're qualified to take care of your clients the way you want and everything right. because you want to build a team of, of, again, professionals, not just people who are doing it to get a paycheck. Right. But if you do that I mean, bring something to the table first, you will always work out for you in the end. I love that. Yeah. It's such it's good stuff. Um, so, you know, what about uh, we talked about the millennials, talk about the economy. Um, let's talk about uh, we, d- we talked a little bit about self-employed borrowers. One thing that I think is really key that I saw in Forbes, it said by 2020, 50% of the U.S. workforce will be freelancers. And this doesn't mean um, that they're full time, but freelancers could be, you know, uh, like they do this on the side. It's their side hustle. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in the gig economy. There's all kinds of different gigs you can get, whether you go on the website Fiverr or you go on, um, you know, I think it's a freelance website. There's like Elance, I think. Yeah. And there's a bunch. So, I mean, if half of the workforce 
in the United States. It, and, and even older well, this people. This even goes into Roden and Fields and, you know, mm-hmm. everything. Those are all self-employed right. borrowers. Yeah. So I think there's a – and there's a big trend. So they say by 2020, half. Right now, I think there's – I don't know the exact number, but there's millions. Of, I mean, I think it's something like 40 million people. There's there's so many people that could use this type of loan product. Yeah. Um, we, we just take for granted that, you know, DU will just, you know, do a W-2 and, you know. And, and, right. But, you know, these programs exist and it does take a little bit of, you know, working a little bit towards learning. Yeah. Right. To well, be, you need to know – how, I mean, you know what a Schedule C is. Yeah. And then you need to know how to read that, what the underwriter is going to see, what can be added back in mm-hmm. to their income, what can't. And also prepare your client for before they file their taxes on, you know, the smartest way to see it if they're wanting to buy a home. Right. I mean, it's obviously people when they're self-employed, they want to write everything off, which I totally get. But at the sure. same time, you know, like if you make money, you can have to pay money. You have to pay some so, taxes. So yeah. Do it. Do it the right way. You right. Know? And, and I think that there's a lot of a lot of little nuggets in there that if you're if you're trained well you know how to to communicate that to your self-employed borrowers especially first-time home buyers or people who are you know creating their own business it's it'll go i mean miles on what you can do with them have you thought of any ways for people to get down payments like i know um besides stealing <laughs> besides robbing a bank you know um i think one of the biggest hurdles for millennials is down payments mm-hmm. like so, um, most of the time they need to have 5% of yeah. their own money. Right. But how do they get 20% that? down though, I mean, they, they don't have to have any of their own money. A lot of, a lot of them will be making good money, but as we know, people live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. So how does someone either make a big lifestyle change, you know, to start making money or start saving money or, you know, or can they, let me, if so it's like lots of 3% down options yeah. now so three yeah. percent obviously it's still money so it's still a down payment but if but they're going to put a big deposit down on a rent in a rental period. right anyway and first month's rent and your deposit right so get a good realtor mm-hmm. write an offer that includes the seller giving you some credit credit to cover your closing costs so mm-hmm. the only money out of pocket for the whole thing is your three percent down, right. and that that seller credit can include your first month's mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. You know, it can include your impound account for your property taxes and insurance. Right. So you can really buy a home with only three percent. That's pretty crazy. I mean, think about on a million dollar home, which obviously they're not doing a three percent down on that. But <laughs> but you can get close. You got to save. You have a duplex. You yeah, can get up there. You can. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that like. Three percent. So if you bought, let's say you bought a duplex or a triplex, and you did three. Can you do three percent on you a duplex? Do, you can do five percent down. Yeah. So maybe you get a, a buddy together, you know, um, and you guys pull your money together, and then you buy a duplex, and that would be, would be your first starter home, right? right? Which is also a great first investment property yep. down the road. Yeah, exactly. And then you um, then you share in the down payment, you share in the in the mortgage payment, and then eventually you can either buy each other out or you can, you know, you can use that for keep the house forever or sell it, flip yeah. it, take some of that money and then go and buy another house with it. Totally. Well, I mean, you guys have programs with 5% down jumbo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 5%. I know. It's and they're crazy. great. 40 year, 40 term. year fix, 10 year IO. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, 
it's it's getting easier and I think that's one thing that you know people who, who are listening just need to just to, to, to realize that it has changed in the last five years yeah. last two years has changed a lot and the programs are there they're just they're just you just need to research totally. the product and well and think about it on a million dollar purchase five percent down is 50 grand you have a seller credit that covers all your closing costs, first month's mortgage, all that stuff. Right. So all you need to come up with is fifty grand. Your payment on that is probably forty nine hundred a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't rent a million dollar home for forty nine hundred dollars a month. Yeah, that's true. So, Rentals and rent goes up. One thing we forget is yeah. that rent goes up every year. Yeah. You know, you might lock in a lease for two years, but I think even in the two year leases, they have a rental increase. So the second year, yeah, every month, every year, rentals are going up. So two, if two you to five do not lock yeah. in a loan, you know, four years from now, five years from now, you're gonna be paying so much more rent. Yeah, and it just it's it's it just makes no sense to to wait. No, but, but so. it does make sense to buy and then rent. Yeah, because then <laughs> lock in and then you just keep increasing your price. Absolutely, and I think that that's one thing I want is it to just to, to touch on is is loan officers need to learn how to sell again. Like right, you know, we've had it so good that the low hanging fruit just oh drop your rate sure. No one, and that's the easiest thing to do in the world, right? Like you don't have to sell. It's not hard to sell a lower payment and a lower interest rate. Yeah. What's hard to sell is someone why they should buy now and not wait another five years or totally and wait, you know, well, I need to put 10% down. I, I, my dad says, you know, I have to have a 20% down payment or I'm just not, it's, I shouldn't buy a house. <laughs> no, right. if you do that, you know, that's. You will wait and then you'll never be able to do it. Right. Because your 20% is continually, it's a moving target. Yeah. Yeah. It's just getting bigger and bigger. Right. So if you can figure out how to put 5% down or three, you know, you can save at least that. But, But loan officers should be able to learn how to teach people that, you know, figure out how to find that 70, 75 million people in that 75 million people. You, you got to be able to learn how to teach them how to be able to, or why buying is a good idea. Well, I think like you were saying, like they they need to learn how to sell again. People think of the idea of selling someone means that you're trying to get them to do something they don't want to do. Right. You know, the term has gotten total. So like now it's safer to say, educate, you know, your, your clients, which Fine, if that's the term you want to use. Yeah, let's use that term. Get better at educating your clients. But the reality is, is you need to know something to teach somebody something. Right. So if you're like... And numbers don't, don't lie. Get math does not lie. No, get good at math. Yeah. Just show them the math. It pencils out. I mean, mm-hmm. the reality is home values is if they keep going up, then you can never make a bad purchase, right? Right. But if home values do ebb and flow, they go up and down, can you make a bad purchase? The reality is, is no... If you hold on to it. Yeah. You know, if you're buying a home and you buy it for, you know, $500,000 and in a year it drops to $400,000, is that a bad investment? Only if you sell it. Yep. You know, but if you're, if you're living in the home, then hey, there's already value there. Mm-hmm. But if you decide to rent the home out, like we were just saying, pretty soon the rent is going to catch up to what your mortgage payment is and then surpass that. And then keep in mind that your mortgage payment hopefully is paying principal every month. So, yep. You know, it's, it's again, like you said, they got to learn how to sell again or educate. Educate for sure. One thing, um, people might say is, well, there's a crash coming, you know, we can't, what, what goes up must come down. All the, you know, the things that people are saying out there. And I think there is a reason right now for, you know, uh, people want to be the one that calls the market, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm calling the market, you know, I'm it's, it's a peak, right? It makes it feel good. Yeah. Makes it feel good. But, but if you look at history and you look at, 
you know, 30 years ago what prices of homes were, right? And you look at today what prices of, of homes are, even from the crash to today, and you look, you know, you look at kind of where it went, you look at charts, and, and just even for the simple fact of inflation, yeah. house prices are are going to continue to go up no matter what. It's... Yeah. Because it's a it's a fixed asset. It's a you know brick and mortar. It's it's something that's that's you know as as our our currency gets you know devalued because of inflation or because of right. different things, um, you're always going to have increase in in home prices just because of that. A hundred percent in in for sure at least in major cities, no yeah. matter what. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, there's some places where like they're now ghost towns and no one wants to live there, but it's because you know they're building homes in the desert in the middle of nowhere and no one wanted to live anyway. But yeah. You know, so like, I get that, but at the same token, look, if, if you're in a city where people want to live, yep. that your home value is going to continue to go up, even if it crashes at some point, yep. just, it's going to, it's going to keep going up just Absolutely. for the simple sake of inflation. Like you said, true that. Bye. Cool. Anything else you want to touch on? I think this has all been good stuff. I know. We... Did you guys touch on your predictions for this morning? Oh, I don't know if I want to predict that. I feel like no, you, you predict it. You predict it. <laughs> Preston and I'll support Thomas. You. Yeah. Um, I, well, let's. Yeah. No, we before the cameras rolled and the the audio rolled, uh, we we said that you know history repeats itself, um, and and we were talking about if we want to just be a predictor, right? It's like okay, well, the next thing is the stock market is going to crash, and then there's going to be a terrorist attack, and then there's going to be a war, and then there's there's going to be a rate drop. You know, it's just exactly what happened in 2000, right? 2001, yeah. the dot, 2000.com burst, 2001, uh, the, you know, the uh, 9-11 happened and then the interest rates dropped insanely. And then there was a big refi boom. Yep. You know, a lot of people that, that were scared, uh, a lot of the hedge funds, the venture capitalists, all of them pulled out of the dot com, you know, yep. fundings. And they said, we're going to put our money into more secure asset backed type of investments. And so then now all this money is being, you know, it's like bulging out of their accounts saying we need to deploy this capital. And so then they started, you know, expanding the mortgage guidelines and then they right. get now. So now guidelines are tight, you know, uh, tech companies are overvalued in a lot of in a lot of ways. Like, you know, what's this meerkat, right? Like this like who right. and they were like a unicorn at one point. You know, and there's there's other companies out there that, you know, you really think like, okay, it's just on an app on your phone. And if all of a sudden people decide they don't want to use it anymore, you know, is that worth more than United Airlines or Lego? You right. know, like it's it's crazy that just an app could be worth way more than these these companies with big assets. Like, totally. So you know, if if that, in my prediction is that that will teeter, and and we've seen Facebook kind of drop a little bit and then come back a little bit. Well, I don't know if it's come back, but I know it dropped. Yeah. Um, but I think there will be some point when some venture capitalists say, you know what, that's just a little too risky. I'm not going to refund you again, you know, because you're out of money and you're just four people in a room with a cool idea, but you're not making any money. I'm not going to give you another $5 million to keep your guys going. You know, it's, it's not a really good investment anymore. So then I'm going to take this money and I'm going to put it in real estate or something with, with, uh, you know, a little more secure return. Um, I predict that that will happen. I think there'll be a pullback for money going into VC into, into startups. I think that, um, that money will go into, a real estate related either wreaths or into some type of um, 
mortgage-backed securities. Uh, I, I get calls from hedge funds and they're asking, they want to buy up all these loans and they want to buy, they have more money than we have business. Yeah. And I mean, the more the, the non-QM space is a billion dollar business right now uh, per month. Billion dollars. Yeah. And it's not, it's not enough. Even I mean, close. It's nowhere, it's just scraped the surface, just barely. And that will expand tremendously. There's so much room for that to grow. The dot-com, not the dot-com, the tech stuff is very, right now is very, um, you know, frothy and like the, the terms they use. I think that when that happens, expanded products will come out and more people will buy. Real estate real, real estate values will stay stable. Yep. We probably won't see 40% increases like in some of the years in certain areas, but I think we'll see 5% uh, increases. And, and I, if rates drop. If rates drop then again. We, then we will get those increases too. Yeah. I mean, it's because when people can afford more when right. rates are lower, then instantly values go up because yeah. they can afford it. And, and less people are paying full pop on real estate commissions. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of companies coming out, right? Yeah. That do either a flat fee or like a reduced commission. And so that, you know, people look at it like, oh, you know, these real estate agents are taking my equity, you know, and they are. And so in essence, it's like 5% of your equity goes poof when you do a transaction. So if you can use a, I think Redfin started all this out with their reduced yeah. commission. But there's like, I don't know, Purple Bricks. Home Bay, there's all these new companies coming out that are like, we'll do a flat fee of 2,500 bucks or 3,500 bucks, and doesn't we don't care what your value is. So if you have a $2 million sale, 5% of that is what, $100,000? If I did my math right? Is that right? $2 million, 5%, 100 grand, right? But if you pay $3,000 flat fee for that, like, wow. You save $97,000. And now whoever's buying that is now saving, you know. Yeah, well, even if it gets split between the seller and the buyer, yeah, both are now getting, you know. And so then maybe they can use some of that money to buy the rate down, right? And then, then you can afford more. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways I think that it's going to keep the market from crashing. Yeah. There's also super low inventory and there's more inventory out today than there was last month. But, you know, that's because we're just ending summer. Um, Any realtors listening, uh, we think you should get paid <laughs> 5%. We know you earned it, <laughs> but you know some people think you know. I, I, my wife's a realtor, so I know uh, I know the value of what she does when she's out there, you know, working and not a, not a full time realtor. But I think a lot of people who do real estate are not full time, right. and and a lot of people see the money that that gets paid out of that, and it, and it does kind of hit them, you know. Yeah. And like if you look back at, uh, we were talking about this in another podcast. Um, if you look at, if you remember, uh, what was it? Um, travel agents, mm -hmm. right? Like travel agents used to make a good living. There was a lot of travel yeah. agents and that went away, yeah. you know, when, oh, yeah. when the technology changed that. So all these things are going to contribute towards a more affordability though, I think in real estate. And there's going to be reason that's, that's the reason why I think real estate will continue to rise and, and there's still a lot crash. of room. Yeah. Yeah. The margins it, are... They're there. They're there. And someone said, um, if you look at today versus when the crash happened and peak, the peak, the 05, 06, um, and if you adjust for inflation, we're still under that peak. So we still have room to go just based on that. Yeah. I agree. I don't know. 
Buy I think we're going to be good. Buy a house. Coffin loans. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you guys are looking for more content like this, we have a Fun Loans YouTube channel where we give away more tips, secrets, and origination ideas. You can also email us at info at funloans.com. And if you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say you like our content. So please subscribe, share, and send us your scenarios. Let's Fun Loans together.